Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SPN.com. Phil Mackey. If you hate Phil, I'm fine with that. If Phil's a first-class jerk, if he's an ass and that's how you feel about it, that's fine. Judd Zolgad. Has he become that crusty? I think I think he's always been. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd. All right, we'll get to James in here for some questions shortly, but we promised Twins Vent Line throughout the show. We've already opened up the vent lines for several segments, and we got a couple more here, and, if, and open lines until Doogie gets in at, at 1230. 651-646-8255. Are you upset with the organization for trading Dozier and Escobar, or just in general not having won a playoff series in 16 years? Are you level-headed? Do you understand what's happening? Are you willing to be patient uh, longer? Somewhere, That's more fun. Somewhere in between? Be mad. I might be a little, a little bit somewhere in between, I guess, if I'm being honest. Dan, you're on the show. Hey, guys. I'm somewhere in between. I guess the Twins way is always is. If you don't make it, you're done by June, and you just trade people. But I'm in between. But here's my question. And so I'm not a big catcher guy, but with all these prospects that we got, why didn't we get any kind of catchers for this team? It's you know what I mean? Very fair question, I think. Uh, they, I'm a little bit surprised they didn't get at least one because they got, what, 11 players back, including well, nine prospects, something well, like that? So, yeah. Two things. Keep in mind, other teams value catchers as well. And if you're trading two months of an Eduardo Escobar, like you're, you're trading rent to players, you're pretty unlikely to pry a franchise catcher away from someone unless you're trading with the Twins in 2010 and they offer Wilson Ramos from Matt Cash. Yeah, so it's been done before. So it, also they've drafted catchers pretty high in each of the last two June drafts, so they've got some guys in the lower levels that they like, but yeah, it's definitely a huge problem position right now. I also think that uh, uh Castro has a year on his contract and is definitely coming back in 2019. He is. So yeah. I, he'll be your opening day catcher next year. Not that that's you have shooting waves of excitement. No, it's not, but either, I'm just but. saying I, I think they think the big league catching yeah. position is uh, occupied for next season. Bo, you're on Twins Ventline with Mackie and Judd. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm kind of in between on the Twins thing, I think. I'm a little uh, little frustrated that they don't hold on to or at least make a, a really um, hard attempt to hold on to some of the better bats that, you know, that they've had. Escobar and even going back a couple of years ago, letting go of Nunez at the at the trade deadline, um, where when they had really really solid good you know good bats that were going and kept to Robbie Grossman instead. Um, we're uh, pinch hitting Robbie Grossman uh, in our lineup. It, it doesn't speak real well for us. But the other thing is Kepler is terribly frustrating to me. Um, he hasn't shown that he can consistently hit with any power. 
anywhere outside of uh, low in the strike zone, middle in. And, uh, you know, I, I think he continues to get passes uh, that he, he really shouldn't shouldn't be getting. He's basically, a you know, a 215 lifetime batter. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, I, if, if, you know what? Kepler's another guy. Obviously, if Buxton and Snow were doing what they should be, they'd be in the race. But independent of that, if Kepler were the player that you thought he was, like he's getting there and he's really good defensively for the most part, you'd feel so much better about all of this, wouldn't you? Like, oh, okay, yeah. Rosario and Kepler and Barrios and Romero if, and blah, 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 blah. If blah. Buxton and Miguel were doing their jobs, we'd, we'd be talking about Kepler right now and what's wrong there. And here's the problem with Kepler. I've gotten to the point now, I have no clue who he is. Yeah. Like, he couldn't hit lefties last year, and so there was a priority put on trying to fix that. And I think they have to a certain degree, right? Yeah. But he's still not hitting now. It's very weird. He, he got off to a great start. He, at times, 1,000% looks the part. And then he goes into this three-month-plus tailspin now that... I have no clue. Is this guy going to be in right field on opening day next year? Is he washing out, and and we're just not talking about it because we're so hyper-focused on two other players who are washing out? Yeah. I just don't have a clue with him. Uh, 651-646-8255. Matt, you're on Twins Vent Line. Hi. You know, uh, I just had a kind of a question about uh, Dozier. You know, coming into the season, uh, Brian Dozier was the highest-ranked uh uh, twin on the team. He was number. He was the 35th best player in baseball, the highest on the Twins. The next best player was Santana, rated about 85th. So coming into the season, the Twins had absolutely no intention of giving Dozier a uh, contract. They were just foregone conclusion, just going to let him go, not 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 give him a extension. Now, I mean, I granted he did. You know, he hasn't had a real great year this year, but still, why would they come into the season with no intention to re-sign Dozier? I mean, just like you know, don't don't we don't, don't the Twins give anybody three, four-year contracts when they're really good? Good. I mean, I just I just can't understand that. And I guess you could maybe say the same thing about uh, Eduardo Escobar. I mean, a very good year last year, no intention of giving him an extension either. I mean, what's up with that? Well, I, first of all, the good questions, Matt. Escobar exploded this year. Exploded. Escobar going into the year was not a guy that you would say, oh, let's, let's for sure lock that guy up for three or four years, right? You say, let's take it into the year and see what happens. Uh, according to a couple different things I've heard and seen, they did talk with him about an extension at some point, and he said, you know what, him and his agent, we're just going to get to free in agency. In season or, or before the season? I think it was in, in season. Okay. Um, don't quote me directly on that, but, but I'm pretty sure that conversation took place. Yeah. And he said, you know what, um, I'm, I'm just going to take it into free agency and see what happens. At that point, why wouldn't you? Exactly. Yeah. I want 10 teams yep. bidding on my five positional value. Yes. In, in Escobar's case, I think you could say, I think you could make a case that it, it would have been a good idea to go to him at some point before the, the year and, and try and work on some type of extension because he, even before he exploded, he definitely was a v- v- valuable player. Excuse me. Uh, in Dozier's case, I'm going to tell you flat out, I don't think they liked him. Like that was out there. They could have Dozier. Dozier, from the time that I think he talked to Suhan in spring training, you could tell his frustration that he and his camp hadn't been approached. And I flat out, and they're not going to say this, I flat out think that they didn't either like how he he went about his business. They looked at how streaky he was. They looked at how he did in clutch situations. Yeah. But that was a that was a very conscious decision, and I don't think it was one made because the Twins are cheap. I think it was made because this new staff 
wanted to distance themselves from him and had no interest in bringing him back. And if they had gotten that second piece from the Dodgers two years ago, he would have been gone. Yeah, so to, to, what, to what you just said, I got the numbers here. This is Brian Dozier's career, late and close. So these are these are clutch stats. Late and close, I believe, is like seventh inning or later and maybe two or three runs difference on either side. He's a 195 career hitter, late and close. Yeah. And again, like that's not necessarily a deal breaker because if the guy mashes in the first five or six innings of a game, like you need runs in those innings too. So you, I don't think it would be a complete deal breaker if a player just wasn't very clutch at the end of games, or or maybe he tightened up his approach when when the chips were on the table. It would be a huge factor for me. I don't think that's at this point in his career. He's you know he's got what three thousand career plate appearances or something. Right. Like he's he's been around long enough to where he is. yeah. So it's not just, oh, small sample size, it's going to straighten himself. It, it's definitely a trend for him. Imagine if in another sport, hey, uh, it's time for Jimmy Butler or Carl Anthony Towns contract extension or whoever, like Paul George. And he's, he puts up these really good numbers, but sometimes over the course of a month or two, he can't make a shot really. And in general, he's really bad in close games. Wouldn't that make you pause? If you're a front office in another sport, hey, we got this quarterback. Yeah, he's great. Uh, his numbers look really good, except in like the final four minutes of the fourth quarter when it's a one-score game and he's mostly a disaster. And how, but other than that, like in the first quarter, he's really, really good. And Wouldn't I, that give you pause? And I'm trying to, to build a team that could potentially get to playoffs and win playoff games, and, and he's struggling at the end. Of should the have asked, I should have asked Dad that. These That's guys, one question I didn't even think of. But. I nev- but I never I never got the impression from anything that they did from the day that Valvi was hired. Really a good idea to go go to him with a reasonable three-year extension, and he probably at some point in time last offseason would have taken that. So I get that, uh, but the Dozier... He's he's a polarizing player. He really is. I On one hand, I understand why you would just want to say, hey, goodbye, It's it's been a good run. Age-wise, he's 31 years old, and... By the beginning of next year, so May 15th is his birthday, so basically when the season starts next, he's going to be 32 years old. So whoever signs into a contract, you're going to be buying his age 32 through age 35 seasons on a long-term deal. That's not a great time to be buying on a player. So I, I see reasons why they would just say, hey, it's been a good run, thank you. I also see reasons why... You wouldn't mind having the guy around for a, for a couple of years. Why wouldn't you, before the season, have offered him like a three-year contract extension or something? So I, I see both sides. If it were me, gun to the head, would you want Brian Dozier for, let's say, 10 to $15 million a year on a three-year deal right now? Or you could just kind of roll the dice with Nick Gordon and then reallocate those resources somewhere else. I'd rather spend on younger players. I'd rather offer... Manny Machado, a 10-year, $300 million well, contract. Don't, don't worry about it. Then spend big on 32-year-old Brian Dozier. All I know is you asked that, that question, and he didn't He didn't shoot you down. He, in fact, he said what I've been telling you, which is most of the time when these big-name players hit the free agent market, they're 30 years old and commanding 8- to 10-year contracts. All Machado, these guys are 20. Him and, him and Bryce Harper are 25. All Machado wants to do is play short. So you move Royce to second base. You got your uh, you got your DP combination for a few years to come. I feel like that's a I feel like his shortstop fixation is a little bit of a leveraging stop, and there's other organizations that would want him to play shortstop. But if you give him an extra twenty five million dollars, he'll gladly play third base. I'm like okay, the Twins will play him at short then and save the twenty five mil. Don't kid yourself there. <laughs> I don't blame him either. Um, Bryce Harper is 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 the other guy. Like I, I'd rather have I'd rather have Manny Machado than I'm I'm than not Bryce paying Harper. Bryce Harper's going to get too much. 
He's going to get four hundred mil. He might. It, like, I don't think. Look at the track though of Bryce's career, and for as dynamic as as he can be, I'm not paying Bryce that. And I think he's below four hundred now. I think there was a time when that was a, a realistic conversation. I think that's past now. I think he still he still gets a he breaks the bank, but I don't think it's that high now. Like Manny Manny Machado plays a a more premium position. I just like he's, it more. He's hitting three hundred. I want to say right now, like his, he's his numbers on the, he's he's hitting three twelve on the season. His career average is more like two eighty. So convenient time for him yeah, to right? be having an insane hey. career year. But he's even if he settles into where he's been, thirty home runs every year. Good good defense on the left side of the infield. If I have to pay one guy, it, it's him. It's not Bryce Harper. No. All right, James. We'll get to some questions when we come back here. And Doogie in twenty minutes with a midweek scoop, Mackie and Judd. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokley. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Right now. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. You like that? You like that? All right, James Murphy in for vacationing Dave Harrigan. What kind of questions do you have for us before Doogie in about 15 minutes? Well, let's let's start here. So uh, in your conversation with Thad Levine, which, by the way, if you missed 10 o'clock hour podcast one, mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts, um, they mentioned, or he mentioned that they didn't go to Joe Maurer and ask him to waive his no trade. They didn't really approach him about that. Um, if they decide to hold on to him, do you feel like they'll offer him a retirement type contract next year or for next year? Or do you think they let him just make that decision on his own if he wants to retire or finish his career somewhere else? Hmm. I, man, (laughs) I think they would just prefer to say goodbye, but there's so many non baseball reasons why ownership and, even even like marketing there's different there's just different reasons to keep him around if he wants to keep playing so there's going to be there's going to be pressure from different areas that don't have anything to do with baseball and that's what i would be curious to see you know because it's really it's really really hard to pass him off now as a he's not shipwrecking you by any means no. but you know when you start to to stack him up offensively and he had the one pop-up year last year where he hit 305 again and got on base at a 385 clip and he he hit uh, like 45 extra base hits and the and the old Joe was much more present last year. But when you take the other 4 years including this year at first base and you start to stack that up against the other first baseman in the league offensively or what the league average offensive first baseman looks like, it's terrible. There's no power. Um, so it's he's he he screams platoon or part time player, and maybe they can get away with that because maybe maybe a Tyler Austin comes in and he can hit left handed pitching and Joe Maurer can hit right handed pitching and you can get away with sort of a platoon part time deal. But that you're, I'm not paying more than about four or five million dollars for that. So I would lean toward yes, they do bring him back. Would I? I would probably try and just have a farewell thing for him. Um, <laughs> it's going to get a, complicated. It's going to get complicated. This is such an interesting web. So I'm sorry, James. What was the exact question again? Do, do you think they're going to give him like a retirement kind of contract? Like whether that's so just a, a team, yeah, so from, the from the team, or, yes. or do they let him make that decision if he's going to retire or or sign with another team? Leave that up to him. I think for the most part, 
Derek and Thad are completely in charge of baseball ops. Okay, I think I think the poll ads and Dave St. Peter do a pretty good job, probably of backing off and saying it, it's your team to run. But I think the Joe and Joe's camp is going to come back to, to them, and they're going to look at the first part of this year before Joe fell against the Angels and suffered concussion-like symptoms. And I think they're going to look at things like the the road trip he just completed to the East Coast where he hit the ball really well. And I think they're going to ask to come back. And I think that's going to be the one place, and this gets very sticky, but just from your question, I think that's going to be the one place where the poll I'd say we're going to bring him back on a one-year deal. And I think Derek and Thad might say, I, we don't, I don't really want to do that. And they're going to be told, you have to. Uh, so just to answer your question, yes. I think he comes back on a one-year deal that's, reasonable, and then Paul or wh- whoever has to ma- manage him then is going to be in charge of sort of how to play him. Um, I'm with Phil. I think the best thing would be at the end of th- this year to have a Joe Knight and retire his number immediately and pat him on the back and give him a damn number seven gate and put the statue out front of the building. I think they'll bring him back. I agree with you guys, by the way. I, th- I think I-, I don't I don't see him playing anywhere else anyway, but I think they'll give him you know, if it's not going to be another year, mm-hmm. they'll they'll just kind of like it'll be a, a a push into the sunset at the end of this. Yeah, year. it's man, it's going to be interesting. Um, we are we're streaming this game on Facebook now too. I kind of want to turn the volume up. So Glenn Perkins is doing this game. Yeah, cool. it's uh, Perk and a former Cleveland player, I believe. Cool. Are answering questions and uh, doing the analysis. Uh, all right, question two, James. So with the trade deadline uh, and or coming up yesterday at three o'clock. Who do you believe won the trade deadline? I can give you guys some some teams and what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main ones I would say are uh, Pittsburgh acquiring Chris Archer, the Dodgers getting Dozier, Machado, and John Axford, uh, the Cubs added Brandon Kinsler and Cole Hamels, and then I'd say Cleveland adding uh, Brad Hand and Leonis Martin. I re- I love what the Dodgers did. Let's let me they they went out and they revamped their infield. They've got. All kinds of great pieces. This Matt is it Max Muncy who's popped up now. Yeah. He's gonna hit thirty bombs yeah. for them. Uh if they can put it all together with Machado and Clayton Kershaw, they've got Walker Bueller, who's one of the top young pitchers in the major leagues. Pitched well last night, didn't he? Did he I, I, I think I, I think know. they got I think they lost one nothing and I think he started for him, so I think he pitched well. So they've yeah, to, to and then Brian Dozier, if if they get two months of red hot Brian Dozier, that's gonna be a really hard offense to stop. Uh, I l- love what Pittsburgh did from a team control standpoint with Archer. Uh, the Dodgers, the only question now there is uh, bullpen help is Axford enough. They probably need more, but they can get that. So I, I think the Dodgers are on the right track. I think the thing to keep in mind is, well, as fun as uh, yesterday was, we're now in an era where guys uh, don't get claimed because if you put a guy on... what. Waivers in 2018, there's a very good chance the team's going to say, guess what? You get him. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. And you're stuck with a bad contract. Uh, so so while yesterday was fun, I don't believe it's as ironclad of deadline as it used to be. So I would say a team like the Dodgers and the Brewers are on the right track, but I still think that there will be more moves made by those teams, and I think that they will be able to make them because you're going to have a lot more teams now not claim guys because if you do and you get them, you're... Brewers have nine second basemen now, and they need a pitcher. 
I was just going to say that. So they could have a chance of having like three people play out of position for them. Yeah. If if they because they they tried moving Travis or they want to move Travis Shaw to second base. They're supposedly going to do that. But then they added Jonathan Scope, who is a second baseman, but, but Scope, they want him to play. Yeah, shortstop. shortstop. This, this is a bad idea. Like I I like <laughs> the weird. I like the idea of conditioning players now like Bryant to play multiple positions. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a really bad idea though this time of year to try this. Like this to me is a spring training thing. So if you can do it that's great, but the, the uh, Cardinals have tried this and it's backfired terribly. I feel like the Brewers have done this before too where it's like they have nine guys who look like Jeremy Burnitz. We're just going to hit bombs. It doesn't matter. Well, Mike We're put, like Richie Sex eight yeah. Richie Sexons out there just hitting taters. And then they had, you know, the whole thing with they wanted Braun to play first base and now he's back in the outfield and now he's playing even less but he might need to find some new PEDs actually. That dude has <laughs> not been the same at all it's been since like 2:30. Yeah, it's not good. There was dealers a squad. <laughs> All right, final question, and it's it's kind of about what we've been talking about uh, the whole day today. How will you remember Brian Dozier for his time here in Minnesota, and what's his legacy? Affable chap, really liked him, good friend of mine, once called him Doge on the air, big fan. No, I'll remember him, <laughs> I'll remember him as a good player uh, who who fans liked, and I get that, and I really do think that he is a nice person. Um, but I, I will also remember the post Tory time here where he decided that this was sort of my team. And look, both years that they made some trades, like he acted like, how can they do this to us? And in both cases, the executives weren't wrong. I mean, this time they definitely weren't. So I also re- remember Dozier for being a bit of a fraud as far as saying, if, if you're going to lead, then you know what? Get up and say, this is largely my fault too. I never heard that. I never heard that. I only heard it's 162. How can they sell? Well, they're partially selling because you were terrible for two or three months, Brian. I mean, I can explain that to you. I can show you the stats if you like. So it'll be a mixed bag for me. Yeah. Judd's way more down on him than I am. I think I see the flaws and I understand why the twins aren't too interested. Are you sure he is? I, I couldn't get that. Yeah, sometimes Judd latches on to these to these guys and just rides them out of town. Well, you're more forgiving. You're more forgiving than I am. But like, you take it so personally sometimes with guys like him. I do, and with like Sano, I definitely do. Well, Sano's an entirely different case, though. No, but I take no one it. ever doubted that Brian Dozier woke up in the morning and thought, "I want to be really good at baseball, and I want to be in shape." And I know, but then I just reshape my diet. But and, then why not? Why not take the blame if you're going to lead? Take the blame where the blame is due, and a lot of the blame was on him and his teammates. I don't understand understand the whole we're being screwed yeah i think that's that frustrates i I was annoyed by that too i think he's gonna go down he's not gonna go down as an all-time twins great uh although in terms of great individual seasons just offensive productivity he might have he had a couple seasons that you put up there maybe the top 10 or or top 15 uh he is he's gonna go down as a really really good player but the figurehead of a bad era of twins baseball that's what he is he's he is the main figurehead and the best player on a bunch of really bad teams because he came up in like 2013, bunch of losses. 2014, bunch of losses. Um, they did have one brief run to a playoff game, but and I'm not saying that it, like it's his fault. He's not. Is, is he a Twins Hall of Famer? No, I don't think so. I don't either. But I was just curious what I th- you thought. I think he is. Roy Smalley a Twins Hall of Famer? Well, he's not. I don't no, then so. Brian Dozier is not a Twins Hall of Famer. Okay. Now, Roy Smalley never put up those types of offensive numbers, but 
Royce Smalley was a really productive all-star caliber player for at least a couple of his twin seasons and uh, helped them win a World Series in 1987. Yep. So, okay. I think we got to be careful about. You know who he I mean he's kind of like Shane Mack. He was you know had five pretty good seasons. Now Shane Mack won a World Series ring. Some good seasons. Right, but he's um, not. Yep. You know, if you like you'll get to see Brian Dozier now on a real World Series caliber team and he's not the face of that team. Manny Machado comes over and like, oh, Manny Machado might be the face of that team now. But if you start ranking Dodgers players, Brian Dozier's not one of their three most valuable players. Absolutely. Put it that way. And that's fine. Like, he doesn't... Right. He doesn't have to be. So he's, yeah. I don't know. How, how would you characterize him, James? I, I think you guys are, are spot on. I wouldn't call him, like, a, a Hall of Fame Twins player, but I, what I, I thought you, you said it best when he just... He's the figurehead of a lot of bad Twins teams. Mm-hmm. And I think... Especially towards the end of his career, Joe Maurer falls into that too. He's he was the one who was always there. He yeah. was the one who never left. But he was he was, you know, a part of a lot of bad teams. Yeah. He was the guy that wouldn't leave. Yeah. Joe, the party's <laughs> over. Don't you want to go? No, man, I'm just gonna hang here. No, get off my couch. I mean, Dozier came, he saw, he ate a bunch of bombs, he charmed a bunch of people, and it was a good run. His his power numbers among second basemen, it's it's him and then there's this massive gap until yeah. the, so I mean he, he he left his mark here, but uh, he's he's not I, I wouldn't call him a, a, a twins hall of famer. In spurts yeah. he left his mark. Okay, we wouldn't call him a twins hall of famer. Do you think he will be a twins hall of famer? Yes, because because the media votes. I, on. Think, I think I think he will. Yeah, I, think I was going to say too. I think there's a very good chance. Mike, I mean, he's Michael Kadire, but with I was going to make le- that comparison. Success. I, I was I was just about to make that comparison because when did Kadire yeah. go in a couple years ago? Yeah, Kadire was like insta yeah. Twins Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah, I think Brian's got a good chance based on that. Yep, All Sid right. votes for him for sure because he'll be alive and well when Dozier comes up for that honor. There's always like 18 names on the ballot. Sid just checks all those bucks, right? I love Every box. They love me. All right, Doogie with a midweek scoop. When we Actually, he said 1235, so it, I don't know if he's going to join us for the start of the segment. He will be here for a midweek scoop. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studio. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie, Judd Zolgad. Really, seriously, you guys are great together. Mackie and Judd. I just tune in and listen, and it's so satisfying. On 1500 ESPN. Hey, yeah, I want a scoop, baby. Scoop, scoop, baby. All right, Doogie walking in here. Little midweek scoop session. Post-Twins trade deadline. Usually we get to ask you what you want to talk about off the air, but... Since you're since you're rolling in and the credits are uh, rolling here, what what do you want to get into? Yeah, how about that timing? I was just texting with Thad Levine, who I know was on earlier with you guys. I'm going to tape a conversation did with him. Did he rip him. us? Did he rip us? No, he did not. No, he likes you guys. What time is it right now? Twelve thirty-three. But yep. tape him at one o'clock. Okay. All right. How about this though? I heard on my drive-in Dan Hayes, who I love. I think he's fantastic. Let me expound on something he said because my sense is the mm-hmm. front office of the Twins did miscalculate. On giving guys one-year deals. That on the surface, you look at each move. Logan Morrison, Lance Lynn, up and down. They were pretty good moves, right? Yeah. They didn't overpay. I mean, even if you knew that Logan Morrison wouldn't come close to his numbers last year. Mm-hmm. But I just get the sense that they learned their lesson. That there was too much me, me, yes. me in that clubhouse. Yes. Yeah. 
and not enough team. You, you, so they regret doing. I mean, again, you on need the those surface, long, long-term contracts like maybe a ten-year, three hundred million dollar contract for Otto. I mean, anyone really? Manny Machado. I told you that's my guy. <laughs> but Even we, no but Doogie, Doogie, you, but they did. They you're miscalculated. on something here because they did. I'm just telling you, Jeff. They miscalculated. I was, I was told by somebody who is around that club all of the time a couple of nights ago. This is a terrible clubhouse, flat out. And and listen, we're all guilty. That when Lomo's out there and Lance Lynn is out there and it's March and these guys are now desperate and they say, you know what, I'll sign for relatively cheap. We're all guilty of having said, oh my God, this is fantastic. This is great. You're adding this talent. Mm -hmm. But the one thing, and I never gave this any thought, so it's as much on me as them. The one thing we never talked about or thought about was, okay, how does the chemistry parts fit together? And as I was told, when you do this with... One year or two year contracts, veteran players who come from different organizations, some of which are not great teams, right? That when you do this, you run the risk of this happening. And I, and I will tell you that when Zach Duke was brought out and you saw this too a couple nights ago and, and the twins PR staff did a great job and they said, well, we're going to bring out Zach Duke. He's been traded, but you can talk to him. And Zach Duke was classy about it and more than happy to be there. A certain jerk veteran reliever. I don't know if he's a jerk. Well, he wasn't. I, mean, I was right case. there. I was he right was, there with you. He, I was two was feet ju- from said reliever. I love how Judd has a flamethrower. He's he was, just going at every he, Twins player. He was a <laughs> jerk in that case, though. Yes, then that harassed, he was a jerk. Harassed the PR department for doing their job. That is neither classy nor the place uh. to do it. Judges Agree, but I can't make the statement, <laughs> and I'm around said reliever enough. I can't make the leap that he's an overall jerk. Well, that in was that a, moment, in that instance, right. I mean, guys were walking around on eggshells. We were both in that clubhouse. But that's not know, the place Zach to Duke confront your PR department. Agree, but I think in hindsight, he would say, you know what, I bleeped up. In okay. fact, I would be surprised if he didn't apologize. It was a very football-like move, though, because I've seen that in football lots of times. They don't like us. I get that. But that's not the time and place to to confront your PR department, which is only doing its job. And you've got this a player. This is a lot of inside baseball, too, for fans. Like, this is... I understand that. But what, I'm saying, but what I'm saying is I was then told by somebody who would know this is not a great clubhouse, and that became an issue. Sure. Yes. And here's what else I'll add. Brian Dozier won it out. I mean, that's something that hasn't been talked about. I mean... It was one thing on top of another, but I can just tell you, Brian is thrilled to be out of that Twins clubhouse. He would never admit that publicly, mm-hmm. but I'm just telling you, Brian Dozier wanted out of here badly. So people wondering about that specific trade, because I think that was what put a lot of people, at least on social media, over the top. Mm-hmm. What are the Twins doing? I can put my seven-year-old over the top. Droogie is a diehard Brian Dozier <laughs> fan. Yeah, Like he sort of accepted he loves Escobar too, loves Rosario. So at least one of his guys is still here. <laughs> You know, so there's a human element to this. Like it was hard to tell him Dozier is gone. You know, but I think a lot of fans were like, Dozier, right? Fan favorite, media favorite, overall good guy. You know, but I'm just telling you, Brian wanted this. Yeah, I mean, he was like in his truck, ready to roll right when that thing went down. Oh, trust like, me. I mean, he I'm... got to the airport as fast as possible. It was a good time for, for this divorce to take place. Agree. It basically comes down to that. Sure. Okay, what let let's get into Maurer here for a second. What what are you hearing? Is Joe Maurer back next year, do you think, for like think $5 million or something? Yeah, yeah, I think he's back. Yeah, I mean, somewhere in that vicinity, four, five. Can't imagine you go much higher than that. I yeah. don't know. I'm speculating a little bit on the number. But, yes, I get the sense that Joe wants to play another year. And I get the sense that he wants that to be here. And I do think there is mutual interest. They never did approach him on waving his no trade. You know, I know you guys had fun with, you know, Maurer to the Bronx, playing for the Yankees. The Yankees could use an upgrade at first base, this mm-hmm. and that. But... 
nothing ever came close. But yeah, I mean, if if you're asking me right now to prognosticate, to handicap, yeah, I think Joe Maurer is back in a Twins uniform in 2019. So they're going to have, so let's say they, they turn his $23 million into $5 million. So there, there's $18 million off the books. Uh, you've got Irvin Santana off the books. You've got, what, $60 million or something coming off the books if you start to add up Dozier and, uh, well, Forsyth will come off the books. How aggressive do you think they're going to be if, to take what you said five minutes ago, they're not just going to look for these one-year contracts, if they're serious about maybe two or three free agents, and if they wanted, I know we sit here and we, it's, we're kind of tongue-in-cheek, if they wanted, they could spend on a Manny Machado, average annual value, and still be below like $100 million for total team payroll, right? I mean, I I think that move makes sense to at least pursue it, but independent of that, what do you think their activity will be this offseason? Well, I hope to get a better sense when I talk to Thad here in 25 minutes. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, they have all sorts of payroll flexibility. Yeah. I mean, we saw them be uber aggressive last winter. I mean, they offered you Darvish over $100 million. So do you now offer Dallas Keuchel, for example, who to me is probably the best free agent starter? I don't have the full list in front of me, but he would be right at the top of my list. Do you offer him a comparable deal? Now, I mean, they have some starter depth. I mean, Michael Pineda will be back in September. I mean, he will be a part of the rotation next year. But they could make a move on Odorizzi. You could trade Odorizzi in the offseason. I mean, I can't say right now that Jake Odorizzi is going to be here long term. Mm -hmm. Who knows on Kyle Gibson? I'm sure they'll look to extend him. I mean, don't forget, last winter they tried to extend five or six guys. You know, so they're all about extending guys that they like. So I can see them trying to extend Gibson, you know, but they haven't done that yet. You know, so, I mean, who is it? I mean, you have the list. I mean... Do you look for a second baseman? But does Nick Gordon fit into your long-term plans? I mean, we're still wondering about Polanco. I mean, again, I heard you guys on the drive-in talk about this. I mean, outside of Eddie Rosario, you look at all the positions. Who do you feel confident about? And you like the guys in the minors. I mean, Brent Rooker is going to be up here at some point. He might be a September guy, right? I mean, he's shredding double A. I think they move him up to triple A first. But frankly, you look at his numbers, he should be in triple A right now. I don't know what they're waiting on. Yeah. But they're patient. I mean, they should have moved Royce Lewis up about four weeks before they did. Mm -hmm. You know, but you feel good about Royce Lewis. Kirilov is hitting like 380 at. uh, Alex Kirilov, somewhat lost in the shuffle because Royce Lewis. Gets a lot of the spotlight. Even Trevor Larnick hit his first two professional home runs last night. You know, their first round pick from Oregon State College bat. So he's a little bit more on a on a fast track compared to a high school guy. I mean, so they have some guys in the minors, you know. But, but yeah, I mean, outside of Rosario, I mean, who do you feel good about? So, yeah, I mean, I'd have to look at the list. But, yeah, I mean, bottom line, they have a ton of money to spend. And I definitely think they'll spend some of it. But I'll have a better sense whether it's talking to Thad today or as we get into September and October. Your uh, best guess, do you think they're done? Or do you think Santana gets moved I mean, I think he's August? the one. Yeah, I mean, I was told that, probably not, yeah, it sounds probably like now. probably not. They actually won him back at 4-2-5 next year. And okay. I checked with two teams that ended up trading for relievers. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's the complete temperature of all of baseball, but it's a decent right feedback and all that. Two teams said they had zero interest in adding Rodney. And again, these were two teams that traded for relievers. Interesting. So they were looking for a reliever. They had zero interest in Rodney. So I'm wondering if the market never really 
materialized, came to fruition on Rodney. Yeah, they, Plus, they, the Twins like him enough. 425 is a reasonable number. Why not just bring him back? Too much like, you know, we, yeah, exactly. We can get that productivity without heart palpitations. I think we'll, <laughs> I think we'll pass on him. Um, anything else, Twins West? Because I want to ask about the Diggs contract. I know you've been at Winter Park. Uh, yeah, I've Winter got some Park Wolf at, stuff, yeah. I was well, going to say Winter Park. But. Yeah, well, I mean, even Mark Wolf the other day, talking to a few <laughs> of us, referenced, it's a great day here in Mankato. Yeah. <laughs> And guess what? Nobody's been back to Mankato, and nobody's been to Winter Park either. And Mark is the public speaker among the Wilfs, right? I mean, Ziggy, the other brother. I mean, you don't want those guys in front of the cameras. Mark is is good in front of the cameras, but yeah, he I goes, think, I think you should go down there on behalf of Five Eyewitness News and just interview a tumbleweed in Mankato. <laughs> That's a right he did. Go down there and check it out. Bradley's and uh, those poor bars. But that's, I think that deal, we all figured like they're going to have to deal with this Stefan Diggs situation sometime soon. And it comes out and he gets to change his life for the better with $40 million guaranteed and $14 million a, uh, a year. And I think the Vikings still had, like, it's a lot of money and it's top 10 wide receiver money, but he might, numbers wise, still have a ton of upside. Like, he might still get to 12 or 1300 yards receiving at some point, play all 16 games. And and maybe they wind up with somewhat of a team-friendly deal in like two years from now. Yes, although I don't get the sense right now it's a team-friendly deal. Like, Daniil Hunter, I will die on that hill. The Vikings got Hunter on a team-friendly deal. They did not get Diggs on a team-friendly contract. Yeah. Now, it's not a ridiculous contract. I can't sit here and tell you Diggs and his agent won big time. He's better than Jarvis Landry, for my money. Yes, but see, that contract by Cleveland... Like, reset the market. But I can tell you that contract came up in the negotiations. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a healthy amount of give and take. Like, the word is the Vikings' initial offer was closer to nine and a half to $10 million a year. You know, Diggs' agent then cites Jarvis Landry, some other deals, saying, okay, well, what about this? Diggs is better than that player. You know, so they came to a happy medium. So at, at what what point does the Thielen camp jump into Next this year. ball game and not say yeah. and say fair, should. fair is fair? I mean, we're not looking to break the bank, but our guy is making a, a very very small sum for the services he's providing in in a league by where now guys at his position are being paid. And it's our guy Blake Barrett. I mean, he's been in this studio yeah. any number of times. I mean, a good friend to all of us here in this studio. That is the agent for Adam Thielen. Yeah, I think it's next year. Okay, won't be now. But next year. But yes, they need to take care of Adam. They absolutely have to. Blake might want to make that very clear to Adam right now, just in case Adam <laughs> starts getting, you know, you know how that works in the sports world. Yeah, Adam so will take Adam, care of you, don't worry. Yeah, I mean, but there's something to be said about Adam. I don't want to say he's like forever indebted to the Vikings, but the fact that they took the chance on him, you know, now, hey, he's made his own bed, right? I mean, there was a lot of skill there to begin with, and he just got overlooked. I mean, heck, yeah. his coaches in Mankato really didn't push him enough. I mean, so he overcame a lot of hurdles on his own. But still, the Vikings took the initial chance. But I just I don't sense that, that he's the kind of guy that's that's going to go Julio Jones on the situation or Khalil Mack and create a big-time headache. But I can just tell you, yes, next year. Not now. Maybe it's later in the season, but not anytime real soon. But yes, there will be a conversation, multiple conversations about giving Adam more money. In fact, a lot more money. Do you have any uh, just random rapid-fire scoops? Any gopher sure, well, well, footballs on the horizon here? There's a free agent that the Wolves continue to talk to a bunch. David Nawaba was a younger type guy, but I continue to hear that he is not coming here for the minimum. Now, the Wolves can go a little bit higher, so we'll see if they do. I'm not quite sure this is a real appealing spot for him. I mean, we've had this conversation before during this segment. 
This is a place for some free agents. Like Corey Brewer would sign today. Told you that three weeks ago. He would have signed three weeks ago. They could have Corey Brewer today if they wanted to on a veteran minimum contract. But now, the minimum the for minute, him too. is more than what you would give to Nawaba just based on service time. Yeah. You know. But so they're not interested in Brewers, what you're saying. No, they're not. Okay. Now, maybe that will change at some point, but no, they, they don't have an interest in, in Corey Brewer right now. Although they did make the phone call initially, but that's their weird philosophy going back 2016, 2017. It's this front office's philosophy just to reach out on a ton of free agents and then figure out later who you extend actual offers to. But Nawaba is a guy they would love to have. But I'm just telling you, I continue to hear that that he's not willing to come here for the minimum. Now, if they up that, they can go a little bit higher. That's a different conversation, but we're not quite to that point. Also, I mean, the elephant in the room with the Wolves is Carl Anthony Towns. I continue to hear that he will sign the extension. Hmm. But there's actually no sense that he will sign that extension anytime real soon. That this thing could linger into September. Did we find out about why the weird tweets that we talked about last week? No. No, I tried. That was weird. Some people he said was, it was like his, his video gamer tweets and friends. I yeah, don't know. I mean, I threw okay. that out, but I, I don't know. That was very, that was just odd. There's some other people who care about this stuff. I just don't care about somebody's personal life, but there's something that has impacted Katz's personal life. Uh, non, Non-Tibbs related? Nobody's like on a deathbed. It's not health related. Okay. But there is something impacting his personal life that, in theory, would have him in a sour mood. Again, I don't want to go any deeper than that. His personal life, that's just not my business. But yeah. I'm aware of of what's taking place there. But I'm just telling you, a lot of people say he's still going to sign it. Like, you don't turn down max money off your rookie contract. But you make Glenn Taylor sweat it out. That's yes, the new philosophy Yes, because you here. know what? Because you're going to look him in the eye and because find then, out, do you really want this cat? People like us continue to talk about what is going on. Yeah. You know, once you sign the contract, it's an afterthought, right? Mm-hmm. So it's your, it's it's, a it's his point. silent voice being heard. It is a leverage point, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that heart to heart conversation has taken place yet or not between him and Tom Thibodeau. I'm working on that. I don't know. Also on Jimmy Butler with the hand, I was told this week, like if he wants to play five on five today, he's fine. The bandage should be off. Is so, it like cosmetic or was deal. it? I don't know. I didn't hear specifically why it was done. He did hurt the hand, if I'm not mistaken. He did hurt it during the playoffs against mm-hmm. Houston. He was shaking it, but. But that bandage should be off. If he wants to play five on five right now, he can play five on five. Well, thanks, Dugs. All right, boys. All right, yeah, find, find Doogie all over the place. KSTP.com, Five Eyewitness News, and also the Scoop podcast, which you can find pretty much anywhere you would generally download podcasts. 1500ESPN.com is a good place to start. Back with more Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. It's go time. You know what I mean? On 1500 ESPN. For us right now as an organization, this is the right time to make that decision and acquire some real talent that will help us continue to pull towards what we believe is a championship future. Uh, and then in Brian's case, I hope he feels like uh, in this case, we put him in a position where he gets a chance to go try and do something that's very special and, and to live a dream to, to do that in the playoffs. Down to the, pretty much the last minute, um, I knew something was probably brewing up um, from just hearsay, obviously. And, uh, but when I found out the Dodgers, it's very exciting. I, I think this, this trade's been going on for about two years now. So, uh, <laughs> um, But it, I, I'm excited to be here, number one, uh, to join an amazing organization, which is, which is huge. A lot of winning baseball up here, which, uh, uh, which I love. You know what happens when you fire sale 
just blow out your whole clubhouse. Pace of play and then, and then getaway day Good creeps up on a Wednesday. Good. Yeah. Good pace of play. Good pace of play. Uh, Twins and Indians sorry. already into the third inning. <laughs> or, I'm sorry, the fourth inning. Already into the fourth inning after like a half hour, and there's no score yet. Only one hit, and that's by the Indians. Um, who's let's our, see here. Mejia. Okay. Three scoreless for the Twins so far today. Who, who's our uh, plate umpire today? Boy. It was C.B. Buckner last night. Asking the tough question. It was C.B. No Buckner idea. last night, and how Major League Baseball uh, do, doesn't oh, fire him. Dude, or at least, he's so bad. Or at least if they don't want to fire him because they feel bad for him because he's so bad, at least never give him the plate. Like, that was, last night was embarrassing to watch. He's so bad. And I knew he was bad, but it's just embarrassing every time I see him yeah. have the plate. There was, there was one moment, sorry, James, I have one, one thing, and then, so he was, there was a moment sometime in, like, middle of the game and it was still a close game at the time. Twins might have even been up. I think they got up one nothing. Whatever it was. And Tory Hunter and Justin Morneau were explaining throughout this inning the importance of, you know, understanding against a guy like this. You know, maybe you take the first pitch, and you, it's really important to take that first pitch and maybe hone in on a breaking ball and like all this strategy about how important the pitch sequencing is. And like on cue. I think it was Jorge Polanco took a pitch that was like a half a foot off the plate on the inside <laughs> corner. And, of course, C.B. Buckner, oh, strike one! And Torrey's like, C.B., man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on, man. Like yeah. it just Because Trevor Bauer is lights out this season, and you fall behind 0-1 to that guy, and you're pretty much... Pretty much done for. Sorry, what were you going to say? What he's get, well, I was going to say basically the same thing you did. I I referenced that same that same moment, but he was uh, Bauer was dropping like backdoor curveballs that were you know like you said six inches outside. They, yeah, the neighbor's backdoor. Yeah, right. <laughs> but CB Buckner is just. I mean, he he's among the three worst in baseball. Yeah, and I believe because they they now have numbers. Some websites will actually track that, and I believe the numbers show that too. That he's oh, he's no actively clue. missing twenty percent of the pitches in any given. It's Eric Gregg. It's Eric Gregg. <laughs> yeah, that was Eric Gregg. If you haven't seen the Eric Gregg YouTube clip, just go to YouTube. Eric Gregg Marlins or Eric yeah, Gregg, Braves. and it was at NLCS. It was the Braves and Marlins in Miami, I believe, and Eric Gregg called everything. It was Naked Gun. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, catcher sets up five feet off the corner. And the demonstrative calls, too. That was the best. He not only was wrong, but he was having fun being that wrong. <laughs> Why not, though? When there's no accountability back in the back in the day, they're not taking back pitch to the old days with, with the outside chest protectors with the umpire side. Those are my favorites. Yeah. Can't even see over the top of it. You're just Strike guessing. Three, you're out of the game. If you did miss that, we might even replay that tomorrow because uh, it, it's worth it if you missed it. He was... He was great on the, the trade deadline. You can find that on demand. Mackie and Judd show page, 1500ESPN.com. See you guys tomorrow. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, where next? You earn 10X miles on hotels and rental cars and 5X miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2X miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.